Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. Father, we want to start off by thanking you for being so good. Father, you truly are an amazing God. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Father, we thank you for your care for us, for your provision for us. Father, we thank you that, that you have a, a wonderful and amazing future for us. Father, thank you for being with us now. And Father, thank you for, for knowing everything about us and, and being so intimately involved in every one of our lives. Father, thank you for being a God that, that actually cares about his creation, actually cares about his creatures. Father, thank you for, for loving us so much that you offered a way for us to be forgiven and spend eternity with us. Father, we, we don't know why you love us so much, why you desire to spend eternity with us so much, but Father, because we, we really don't deserve it, but Father, we are so grateful and we are so thankful that you do. And Father, it causes us to love you even more. Father, I pray for everyone who's watching or listening to this message right now, that you would, you would comfort them, that you would hold them close, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would provide them with what they need, that you would give them strength and courage and, and love and comfort and, and all the provisions that they need. Father, Father, we thank you. And so, Father, we ask you to, to be with us during this time, to open our minds, to understand your word, to soften our hearts, to be receptive to your word, and to give us the wisdom and the, and the discipline to, to live out your word. Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. Well, today's message is called The Love of a Mother. Um, the main passage today is 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. We'll be, we'll be looking at several passages today, but, but this passage right here just kind of sets the tone for this message. Um, you know, today is Mother's Day, and, and of course, I have to, have to address Mother's Day today. But uh, I wanted to, to show how God's love for us is very much like what we would understand and think of a mother's love for their children. Um, I do want to start off by mentioning that that I do understand and keep in mind all of all of those out there today on Mother's Day. Uh, many many are mothers, and today is a wonderful day and an exciting day and a day to to get together with family and and loved ones and children. But Mother's Day is not a, a happy day for everyone. Uh, some, uh, some, can't have, some women can't have children and have wanted to for a long time. And uh, Mother's Day comes around and it's a, it's a sad day. And so we want to we reach our heart out to you as well. There are many who have lost children. And today is an especially sad day when they think about their children that they love so dearly. We, we also want to reach our heart out to you as well. <clears throat> we want to rejoice with those who rejoice and 
we want to grieve with those who grieve. So I understand that today is, is, is a special day across the board in different ways. Um, some some is, a, is a joyous day and, and some it's a very somber day. But today I do want to focus on mother and mother, mothers and motherhood and in the sense of that love for a child, that love that a parent has for a child and, and relate that love to the love that our Father has for us. So let's jump right in to 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. This is a passage that um, I've preached on once before on Mother's Day. It's a passage that many don't think of when they think of Mother's Day, but I, I thought it gives us a good visualization and, and a good picture of seeing this type of love. Let's read it together. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. Then two women, who were prostitutes, came to the king and stood before him. One woman said, Please, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was in the house. On the third day after I gave birth, she also had a baby, and we were alone. No one else was with us in the house. Just the two of us were there. During the night... This woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She laid him in her arms and she put her dead son in my arms. When I got up in the morning to nurse my son, I discovered he was dead. That morning, when I looked closely at him, I realized that he was not the son I gave birth to. No, the other woman said, My son is the living one. Your son is the dead one. The first woman said, No, your son is the dead one. My son is the living one. So they argued before the king. The king replied, This woman says, This is my son who is alive and your son is dead. But that woman says, No, your son is dead and my son is alive. The king continued, Bring me a sword. So they brought the sword to the king. And the king said, Cut the living boy in two, and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive spoke to the king because she felt great compassion for her son. My lord, give her the living baby, she said, but please don't have him killed. But the other one said, He will not be mine or yours. Cut him in two. The king responded, Give the living baby to the first woman and don't kill him. She is his mother. All Israel heard about the judgment the king had given. And they stood in awe of the king because they saw that God's wisdom was in him to carry out justice. This is the picture of the love of a mother. This is the picture of of, of a woman who loves her child desperately. And when given the option that, or, or given the situation in which her son was going to be killed, or her child was going to be killed, she, she screamed and cried out, please don't kill him, please don't kill him, just, just give him to her, but please save him. That is the picture of a love of a mother. 
A mother will do a lot of things that she didn't know she would do because of her love for her children. There have been all kinds of stories of, of mothers who have ran after animals or different things that nothing else would cause her to do that except to protect her child. And that's the type of love that God has for us. He said in Isaiah chapter 49 verses 14 through 16, Zion says, The Lord has abandoned me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. This is a picture of God telling us His heart for us. He said, imagine a woman who's just given birth to a child and is nursing that child. Can she not care about that child? It's unfathomable. Although we do see in the news from time to time their rare, rare, rare exception in which we do see women who do, who don't care about their children, who do kill them. But God said, even so, even if they forget their children, I will not forget you. God said His love is not like that. God said His love is enduring. God said His love is permanent. It is strong. God will love you even if nobody else does. God not only loves you, God is love. John tells us that Jesus gave His disciples a new command and said that they would be recognized as His disciples if they obeyed it. Let's look at John chapter 13, 34 through 35. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now keep in mind that Jesus' disciples were Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. His disciples were Jewish. They were raised Jewish. And the thing is, they already had 613 commands to follow. Lots of commands become burdens if your heart is not in the right place. But if your heart is in the right place, then they are not burdensome. Jesus gave a new command that would fulfill all the other commands with the right heart. He continues in John chapter 15, 9-17. through 17. He says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. 
I do not call you servants anymore, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. Now, you'll notice that Jesus gives us the command to love one another. But he also said something that most people cringe to read. He said that you will remain in his love if you keep his commands. He said, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. You see, He ties your relationship with Him to your obedience to Him. And again, He said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. But see, that goes against everything we've always believed and have been taught about God. We have always been taught that His love for us and His friendship with us is not based on our obedience. But if we carefully study the Scriptures, we will see this concept taught by Jesus and by God throughout the Scriptures. Because you see, His love for us will never change. That's true. But His friendship with us does. You see, our friendship with God or our relationship with God changes when we go from rejecting God to loving God. God said that our sin separates us from God. That's really just a nice way to sugarcoat the truth. We have, a, we have a tendency to do that in the church. When we read something or study something and we're going to share it with others, if it's going to be tough to swallow, then we tend to coat it with sugar, make it sweet, make it easier to swallow. See, when we talk about people are separated from God, that's just a way to sugarcoat what's really going on. The truth that he tells us is that when we sin... We're under His wrath. That means that He's very, very angry with us because of the sins we've committed. Just as you would be with someone who murders someone you love, you would be very, very angry with that person because of the sin that they committed against you. And because He is so holy, He truly hates sin. And sin makes Him very angry. And therefore, he tells us in the scripture that we will experience his wrath when we die for the sins we've committed against him. But, but, his love is greater than his wrath. And because his love is so great, he chose to die in our place to take the wrath 
we would have experienced our, ourselves, he decided to take that upon himself so that we could be forgiven. And so there's the distinction. See, when we're dead in our sins, which is terms we like to use in church, when we're lost is a term we like to use in church, when we're before we come to Christ in saving faith, we typically say we're separated from God. But what that means is, literally, we are separated from God, meaning we're not in right relationship with Him. We are under His wrath. And if we die in our sins, we will experience His wrath. But He doesn't want us to. He loves us more than He hates our sin. And because of His love for us, it caused Him to go through the steps that He went through for Him to leave His throne in heaven, for Him to come down to earth, to put on flesh, to live as a man, to live a perfect life that we couldn't live, to die, to be mocked, to be beat, to be ridiculed, to be crucified in our place so that we could be forgiven. And our obedience is in fact an indicator of our relationship with Him. Just as Jesus said, you will be my friend if you obey my commands. Notice, though I said it was an indicator. You see, You can't separate your love from God from your obedience to God. They go hand in hand. Love for God produces obedience to God. And disobedience to God indicates a lack of love for God. Love for God is what God wants. Love for God from our hearts is what's important to God. You see, God searches the heart. God knows the heart. Obedience is just one of the ways that we can see on the outside what's really going on on the inside. We can't physically see the condition of our heart, but we can physically see our obedience, which is an effect of our love for God or our lack of love for God. Just like we can't physically see the wind, but we can see the effects of the wind when we see trees and leaves blowing around. The leaves and trees moving aren't the cause of the wind. It's the other way around. The wind is the cause of the leaves and trees moving. But you can't have one without the other. They are intrinsically tied together. One is the cause of the other. But you can only see one of them. And it lets you know if the wind is there or not. In the same way, faith and obedience are intrinsically tied together. One is the cause of the other. But you can only see one of them. And it helps let you know if the other is there or not. John tells us that God is love in the following passage. And he tells us that we can have assurance that we are born of God and have eternal life if we love God, if we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, 
and if we obey God. Let's read it together. 1 John chapter 4, 4 verse 7 through 5.13. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. I'm going to say that one more time. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. That's very important when we get to the end of this. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in Him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey His commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep His commands. And His commands are not a burden. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ He is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. 
For there are, there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that He has given about His Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who, is, who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, the most important thing that God wants us to do is love. Because God is love. Love is who God is. And when God comes to live inside of us and change who we are, then love comes to live inside of us and change who we are. I'll say it again. When God, through the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of us and change us, then love itself, because God is love, love comes to live inside of us and change who we are. You see, your salvation is not based on how well you do the things God has asked you to do. You don't earn salvation. Your salvation is only based on whether or not God has forgiven you and has come to live inside of you. And when God comes to live inside of you, love itself comes to live inside of you. And when love in its purest form comes to live inside of you, it changes you. It changes everything about you. It causes you to love God more every day. It causes you to love others more. It causes you to want to obey God. And His commands are no longer a burden to you because you love Him so much. They used to be a burden when you weren't consumed with love for God. But now that you love Him so much, you don't view His commands as burdens anymore. I've had many conversations with people who have struggled with knowing whether they are saved or not. It usually goes like this. A person comes to me and asks, how can they know they're saved? Because they think they aren't good enough. Even though their words are different, their mindset is usually along these lines. They say, I want to obey better than I am, but I keep finding myself not obeying as well as I want. And therefore, I struggle to know, am I really saved or not? Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. That is the mindset of a person who wants to obey from their heart versus someone who tries to obey God so that they can make sure they go to heaven 
But His commands are a burden to them because they don't want to obey His commands. They don't want to obey them. Do you see the humongous difference between the two? One person wants to obey God and the other person doesn't want to obey God. One person is loaded with guilt because they aren't obeying God as well as they want to obey Him. The other person is loaded with bitterness with God for telling them to obey a bunch of commands that they don't want to obey. One person's heart is in the right place. They love God. The other person's heart is not. They love themselves. That is the difference. Therefore, your assurance of salvation doesn't come from you trying to trying harder to obey. Your assurance comes from examining your life and seeing the change that the love of God is doing in your life. Your assurance comes from knowing that the Holy Spirit of God is living in you and is changing you into His image. John says that you can look at your life and you can see the undeniable effects of the Holy Spirit of God in you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is real, not fabricated. Therefore, the change He really creates in people is real, not fabricated. Therefore, when God Himself changes you, that change is observable. John tells us that those who love God obey God. Why? Because genuine, deep love for God causes you to obey God. But if you don't love God, then you won't obey Him. Obedience and disobedience are outward signs of inward conditions. He said that we can have assurance that we are born of God and have eternal life if we love God, if we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and if we obey God. A disciple, in its simplest definition, is someone who loves and obeys God. And that is our purpose at Yatesville Baptist Church, to love God, love others, and make disciples. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, He says this, He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And he also said in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what has God done for us? He's loved us with pure and perfect love. He's loved us 
with all of who He is. He's loved us infinitely more than a mother loves her children. So what does He want us to do? He wants us to love Him and each other now and for all of eternity. And He wants us to obey Him and teach others to obey Him. A.K.A. He wants us to be disciples who love and obey Him and who make disciples who love and obey Him. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul? Now is the day of salvation. If you don't love God, if you've never made a commitment to follow Him, if you've never embraced His love for you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make things right. Today is the day to get into a right relationship with God, to be reconciled with Him, to leave that place of living for yourself in your sin and being unforgiven by God, not being in friendship with Him, not being in right relationship with Him, not being adopted as His son or His daughter, and, and giving all that up to Him and saying, Father, I'm sorry. I know I've sinned. And I know my sin makes you angry, just as I know that I get angry anytime someone sins against me. I I get angry with my children when they sin and do what's wrong, even though I still love them. When they do something that sins against me, it makes me upset. It makes me angry. And I understand that concept. I get that. And I know you are so holy and so perfect and so, so good and righteous that all sin makes you angry. And and I know that I am guilty because I've sinned against you. But I don't want to be guilty. I don't want you to be angry with me. I want to be in right relationship with you. I want to be forgiven. I want you to forgive me. And when you make that decision to follow Him, to love Him, to give your life to Him, He will forgive you once and for all. He will forgive you and He will come to live within you through the Holy Spirit. And when He comes to live within you, as the holy God that He is, as pure love, He will instantly and continuously change you. He will make you into a new creation. He will bring you from death to life. He will change who you are all the way down to your spirit level, to your soul. You will love Him. His love will cause you to love Him and it will cause you to love others. You will love Him, you will love others, and you will now want to obey Him. You won't be obeying Him as in the past where I obey Him because I have to or I obey Him because I want to be, I want to go to heaven or I don't want to go to hell or whatever the case may be. I do it because I have to. No, when God comes to change you and God comes in you through the Holy Spirit, you, he, you will now want to. You will want to obey Him and His, His commands will no longer be a burden and they're not complicated. 
They're not difficult to understand. Jesus simplified it as simple as he could. He said, if you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if you will love your neighbor as yourself, if you can do that, then by doing that, you will also fulfill all the other commands that he's given you. All the other commands of do not lie, do not steal, do not cheat, do not murder. All these other 600 commands that he's given you, all of them will be fulfilled if you can just love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love him with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself the same way. Love God and love others. Jesus said, if you just focus on that, then you'll fulfill all the other commands I've given you. Ask God today to forgive you. Ask God today to wipe your slate clean. And if you already have, if, 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 you, if you're someone who's already made that commitment recently or a long time ago, and if you struggle with reading God's Word and, and you struggle with, with this understanding of Am I really saved? Am I really saved? God wrote you a book in the Scriptures, 1 John, to address that very question. And He said, look, I know you can't see your heart, whether it's your soul, whether it's regenerate or whether it's not regenerate. I can't see your soul. You can't see your soul. You can't see my soul. In the same way that you can't see wind. But God said, look, you can see the effects of it. You can see the effects. In the same way that you can't see wind, but you can see the effects of wind. You can see the trees swaying. You can see leaves blowing. You, because you see the evidence, you know that the wind is there. God wrote you First John to say, hey, you do the same thing. Examine yourself. Look at your life. Look at the way that you live. Because if your soul is regenerate, the effects of that is fruit. The effects of that is obedience. Your new spirit brought to life that's in love with God, the effects of that actual saving faith will result in obedience. It will result in you wanting to obey God. It will result in you loving God. It will result in you loving others. And Jesus said, if you do that, that is how people, not just you, but other people will know that you're my disciples. So just examine your life. Are you one of those who, who really, you really are saved and you have been genuinely saved, but if you struggle to know if you're saved because you, you feel guilt about not obeying well enough? You feel guilt because you want to obey better, but, but you don't seem to be able to to obey as well as you want, then I would say that is the signs of a regenerate soul, of you wanting to obey better. You want to obey God. You want to please Him because He's your Father and you love Him and you want to please Him. Or are you bitter with God? Are you upset with God because He gives you all these rules that you don't want to follow? You don't want to obey, and you don't see the point. Well, that could be a sign that you're not truly consumed in your heart with love for God. Maybe you're not in love with God. But there's a big difference there. 
And most all the conversations I've ever had with anyone who's come to me who struggled with assurance of salvation has been the former, not the latter. It's been someone who wants to obey God, who loves Him, and they, they want to please Him. And I'm telling you in the same way that we want to please our parents as children, the parents love the children even when they mess up. They still love them. And when the child wants to please the parent, even when they mess up, the parent is still proud of the children. In the same way, when you love God and you want to obey Him and you want to please Him, even when you mess up, He's still proud of you. And He still loves you. And you're already forgiven. This is not a situation in which you, you ask God to forgive you and then He forgives you and then all of a sudden you're not obeying as well as you should and therefore you're no longer saved. This is not a situation in which you're saved and then not saved and saved and not saved. That's not the case. See, God's Holy Spirit is real. God is real. And His change in you is real. Therefore, when you have genuine faith and ask Him to forgive you, he really comes with, to move, his, move and live within you. He really changes you. And the effects are real and they're lasting. And you are forgiven and you are loved and you can rest assured in that. And that's why He went through the trouble to help you look at yourself and look, examine yourself. And then, after examining yourself, be able to confidently know for sure, I know for sure, I am saved. I have everlasting life. And that is what he wrote to you. He said, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so I ask one more time. Do you know you have eternal life? Because if God said that He's written these things to you so that you may know, if God said you can know you have eternal life, then I would not dare be so bold or arrogant to say that you can't know. If God said you can know, then you can know. And I'm telling you confidently right now, I know that I have eternal life. I know it. I know that I'm genuine in my faith and sincere in my, in my sincerity when I ask God to forgive me and that I knew that I sinned against Him and that I really wanted Him. I wanted to be forgiven and I wanted a relationship with Him. And I believe that He is real and I believe He is who He says He is. And I believe that He paid the price for my sins and that He died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. And I believe that He is the only person at the end of my life when I leave this place that He is the only one I'll stand before. He's the only one who's going to determine whether I spend eternity in heaven or whether I spend eternity in hell. He's the only way of salvation. I believe Him. And I was genuine when I told him that I loved him and I wanted to be forgiven. And I was sorry. And I know he forgave me without a doubt in my mind. And I have seen the undeniable effects of his Holy Spirit in me 
changing me to be more like Him. And yes, I too do not obey as well as I would like. It seems like not a day goes by that I can't lay my head down at night and I could say to myself, I should have done this or I should have done that. But I know, I don't, I don't live under guilt because I know that I am forgiven. I know that God loves me. I know that He's forgiven me. And I know that I'm going to spend eternity with Him. And I know that He's going to help me to grow, to be more like Him. And therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you can't say that for yourself, if you don't know, then I beg you and I plead with you, please, don't let today pass you by. Make today the day of your salvation. Get on your knees. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to change you, to come to live within you, to make His home inside you, and to make you into a new creation. And He will. He loves you. He loves you more than anyone's ever loved you. His love for you is infinitely times greater than a mother's love for her child. He loves you. Do you love Him? Let's pray together. Father, we love You. And Father, I I don't know who all is listening right now. I don't know who all just listened to this message. But Father, there are those, I'm sure, who have struggled with knowing if they're saved. They are saved. You have saved them. You have moved within them. You have made your home within them. You have changed them. You have given them life. They are saved. But they struggle with knowing if they're saved. And Father, I pray that you would assure them that they are forgiven. That they are forgiven and that you are within them. You have been living within them since the moment that they gave themselves to you in faith. And that help them to see the change that you have made within them. Help them to see the work that you are doing in them to make them more like you. Help them to to let go of the guilt that they feel. To rest in the peace of knowing that they are loved and forgiven. Help them to rest in that peace. And then help them to live from that peace. Not to live tomorrow from guilt. Not to live tomorrow in a mindset of guilt or anxiety thinking that I must do better. But help them live tomorrow in freedom. Knowing that I'm forgiven. Knowing that I'm saved. Knowing that I'm loved. Help them to live in freedom. To freely live their day tomorrow. Or or today. The rest of today. Help them to live in freedom knowing that I am loved and that God loves others as well and that I can share that love that I have with others, not from a stance of guilt, but from a stance of of peace, a stance of true and genuine freedom. Help them live from that place that they may have joy. But Father, I'm I'm sure that there are probably those who are listening to this message as well who are not saved. 
they're not sure that they're saved and they're not saved. And Father, that I would, I beg and I plead that you would continue to draw them through your Holy Spirit as you're doing now and that they would surrender themselves to you. That they, from a genuine and sincere heart, would say, God, forgive me. I know I've sinned against you and I know I'm under your wrath and I know I'm guilty, but I don't want to be and I know that you said you don't want me to be. And you've made a way for me to be forgiven if I would just accept your son. If I would just give my life to your son. If I would surrender myself to your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I want to be forgiven. And Father, your love for me, it just overwhelms me. And I love you. Father, I want you to adopt me as your child. Father, I want to be new. I want to know that I'm forgiven and I want to know that I'm going to spend eternity with you. I want to know that I'm in right relationship with you. And Father, only you can see their hearts and if they meant it and you know if they did or not, then Father, they can rest assured that they are saved and that you will move within them and change them and you will cause them to love. You will cause them to love you and you will cause them to love others. And Father, help them to see the change that you are really doing in their soul and in their lives. Help them to live their new Christian life in assurance, knowing that they are saved. Father, we love you. And Father, we can never, ever thank you for your love. But Father, we are grateful. We are so, so grateful for your love for us. Father, we ask these things and we pray these things to you in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you are one of those who decided to give their life to Christ, I would ask you to just let us know. Send us an email at yatesfieldbaptistchurch at gmail.com so that we can follow up with you and we can help you take your next steps in your walk with God. And for those of you who are saved, I pray that you know that you take a moment to look at your life and be reassured that you are saved and live in freedom and not in guilt. Live, live the life that God wants you to live, the way He wants you to live it, not in anxiety, not in guilt, not in regret. No one has ever loved you more than God loves you. I love you. I'm praying for you. I hope you have an awesome week. Amen.